Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, agency owner? If you're new here, I've got a free gift for you on how to scale your agency to multiple six and even seven figures and beyond by overcoming your dependency on referrals, doubling your profit per project, and removing yourself from the main bottleneck in your business. All you have to do is text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. Again, that's 720-792-8036. Just text the word freedom and I'll send you the free gift on how to achieve freedom in your agency and life. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we're hanging out with David Hart. David is a former agency owner and co-founder of the SaaS company Screen Cloud, which someone offered to buy for nearly $200 million last year. He's also an investor, advisor, Uh, for various early stage SaaS businesses and writing a book about the transition from agency owner to SaaS. I know several of you out there might be thinking about a SaaS product or project or maybe former SaaS survivor and and now running an agency, but uh, excited to talk about this subject with David. Welcome to the program, man. Thank you. Glad to be here. So uh, tell me a little bit about ScreenCloud. What do you guys do there? So ScreenCloud is a digital signage business. So we help uh, companies show their employees and their customers content on public-facing screens. And you can manage multiple screens from multiple locations. We've got about over 9,000 customers. And yeah, it's, uh, it's great. It's a great business. And that business came out of your agency or was a side project with the agency? How did you transition from agency to SaaS founder? Yeah, exactly. So it was a side project. We had an agency, started my first agency in 2004. And uh, we, we did a number of side projects. And this is one of them. I think after having done several and made several mistakes, one of the conclusions that we came to was, if we really want this to be anything good, we've got to stop treating it as a side project. So we made the decision, we are going to go full in and do this. And we made the decision to get rid of our agency, sell our agency, get out of all of the other commitments that we'd um, we'd sort of got ourselves uh, involved with. And uh, yeah, and jump full time into a screen cloud. And it was, it was, you know, it didn't happen overnight. It was a, it was, it was something that took a few years, but it was by far and away the best financial decision we ever made, even though it was super scary at the time. It was, you know, I'm so glad we did it. Yeah, I I hear, I mean, I hear success stories, a few. I don't hear actually as many as I'd like to hear in terms of agency (laughs) owners making the leap to SaaS. I mean, because it's really like, while there's definitely like a, a Venn diagram of things that are similar, there's also a lot of things that are like really different about running and growing a SaaS company versus running an agency. I mean, they're not like... I mean, the, fundamentally, they're a very different business model. I mean, it's like you're putting in an incredible amount of work and hopefully at some point you're going to get some customers signing up and it's like, you know, slow to build. Whereas with the services business, right, like you're getting paid and then you're going and working and then you get paid again, right? And you're like, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, you know, you're getting paid well for the work at the moment, but there's really not that scale to it or it's harder to achieve that scale, I think, in, in generally speaking. So, 
so yeah, I'd definitely love to learn what what made it work for you. I mean, I, I think I've, I've heard this as a common thread with agencies, though, that if they are going to make it work, at some point you got to like blow up the boats to take the island. Like you can't keep yeah. doing both at the same time. Yeah, definitely. And we we can't, I, I suppose to an extent we had this. Um, I had this fantasy that we were just going to build up a kind of portfolio of uh, products, and that eventually they would be so popular that we could just slowly close down our clients or t- stop taking on client work. And what I found was that um, we did have a couple of successes, but they were they were doing, I don't know, maybe they peaked at about twenty or $30,000 a month. And then, you know, as soon as a, a client starts shouting, you jump off the, you know, it's never going to be your priority. And uh, I mean, for various other reasons, but I think I had the, the misconception that once you built this thing, a bit like doing a product for a project for a, for a client, once you built this thing, it was kind of passive income from then on. And we were just like, hey, this is great. We built this, we built this thing and we've, you know, we've gone away on holiday, uh, Christmas and we've come back and we've, for the first time, we've been earning money without actually physically, you know, doing any work. Um, but I also realized was unless you keep going, unless you keep pushing with the, with new sales, eventually you plateau and then you start to go in decline. So yeah, it's a real, that I, I've heard a lot of, I, quite often I, I speak to people and they're like, yeah, it's great. You know, we've got these products and it's good because we can sell them to some of our customers. But when I, when I really think about, um, what, how much money you're potentially le- leaving on the table by not really going for it, that's the sort of slightly scary thing for mm. me. You know, and as I say, like last year, we uh, the multiples you get in terms of valuation, if you're looking for an exit down the line, if you're trying to build something of some long-term financial value, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's a real challenge. I mean, I remember the first time when we had our agency and someone said, hey, look, we're interested in buying you. And when I realized how much we would get for that agency, you know, we, the three of us, three founders, I thought, well, we just about get to pay our mortgages off. And then we have to work for these guys for three years. And I was like, oh, man, it was a bit of a shock, to be honest. Um, uh, and I think that, that and and having some success with the SaaS businesses for us was was the thing that really pushed us. And it was like, okay, this is this is where we see our future. But you're yeah. right. I mean, it is, it is risky. It takes a long time to get going. There is that kind of whole, you know, building up ahead of steam, as opposed to when you first start your consultancy, you just win the work and you're, you know, you're kind of off and, off and away almost. And the other thing that you said earlier is, is it is there is a massive difference in mindset I found, especially if you're VC backed. You know that you, from growing out of when you when you have an agency, and if you especially if you've started it yourself, you you're generally growing out of margins. You as you can as you make more money, you, then you can hire the more expensive person. But if you're backed by a VC company, it's a completely different mindset. It's all about growth, and uh, margins don't really pay that much. Of, that much, uh, you know, the, the importance at that point. It's all about how do we get there as quickly as possible. And that was again, that was a, a, a bit of a shock for me, having run an agency for almost ten years, um, yeah. just out of margins. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to let you know about a hosting platform that is giving digital agencies and creators around the world an edge when it comes to site speed, scalability, and profit. It's called Cloudways, and it's designed to create exceptional experiences for you and your clients that guarantees unmatched performance, reliability, and choice with 24-7 award-winning support. Cloudways is excited to offer our listeners a $50 hosting credit in addition to their amazing benefits of their agency partner program. For more details, head over to yougurus.com slash cloudways or use promo code DASCW when signing up. Let's get back to our show. 
and I think too the I mean not to to harp on the side project thing, but I just I, I see a lot of people that are you know building their own you know their own mousetrap for whatever problem, and they're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna mm-hmm. eventually sell this or whatever, or maybe they even do sell it for a couple you know to a couple of clients. Uh, and, and they're like, well, you know, I'm going to eventually do this, right? And it kind of, I don't know if it was like Noah Kagan or somebody else, uh, Dan Martell was talking about how like, like every good software idea or every good like problem that software could solve, like there's probably like 500 to 1,000 people, entrepreneurs, developers, whatever, right? If it's really like a legit problem, there's probably like 500 people that are like working on that idea at some level, you know, maybe yeah. they're doing it as a side project or like, like somebody's doing it full time. And whether like you're like, I think some people think like, oh, like I'm going to eventually like two years from now, I'm going to take this to market. Right. And it's like, mm. like you always have to think like somebody out there is already probably working on your idea full time, hundred percent. Maybe they're going out and raising funds from friends or family or angel investors or, you know, or, or VC firms. Right. Like, but like somebody's probably going to like do it better than you if it's always like a, a side project. Right. Like it's not going to be a forever business if it's always like, you know, something on the side. Yeah, I mean, we the one of the first SaaS businesses we ever did was um, was a was very early days of Twitter. It was a Twitter monitoring tool, and it was before um, Hootsuite or anything like that. And we built this thing, and actually, when we built it, we didn't, you know, we didn't really know what to do with it. Actually, we were kind of a bit naive. We just built built it, and then we had a hundred thousand users, and we were like, but we weren't charging for it. And like, how do we monetize this thing? You know, it's like. Uh, and then we and then um, Twitter replicated um, its API, and we thought, well, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to um, rebuild it anyway. So we sort of went out to everybody, and this is really bad a bad form. But we said, like, hey, look, guys, we're gonna have to um, we're gonna have to charge you something for this because it, we're gonna have to rebuild it, and it's costing us in hosting and all that kind of stuff. And so of the hundred thousand people, ninety seven percent I think told us to get lost, and three but three percent actually paid, and we charged ten dollars a month. So suddenly we were we were making $30,000 a month. And we were like, well, but, you know, to your point, it was a side project and we just, we didn't really do anything with it. Um, and meanwhile, all these other kind of Twitter tools came along and and they were really thinking about what the customer needed. Uh, all ours did was really just did a, uh, just sort of, you could set up alerts and you get emailed every day, what, you know, but it was, um, you know, so slowly what happened was it started to peak and then it started to plateau, uh, started to kind of go into decline and eventually we did sell, sell it. Um, but I, you know, I look back and think if we'd had the wherewithal at the time to really understand and recognize, like we've built this thing and it's doing $30,000 without, without that much effort, actually. What do, what do the customers really, what do these people who are using this product, what do they really, really need above and beyond alerts? They must need other things as well. But we just didn't do it. We just didn't have the foresight, I guess. But also, and it was me more than the others, I think. I, I was just so, I just thought that was it. I thought we've built it and now we just sit back and wait for the money to come in and it will always come in. And, you know, this is great. This is easy street. And if we can think of a couple more like this, doing 30, 30 you know, if you if you had three of those, you'd be, that's $80,000, $90,000 a month. So you're already at a million dollars annual recurring revenue. I thought, this is great. But yeah, like most things in life, it wasn't quite as straightforward <laughs> as that. But I do like, kick myself now and, and just think, oh, if only we just really doubled down. You could have but, been, uh, you know, but you you learn from it, right? But you could have been, you know, the Hootsuite or whatever. But I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a good, I, I love the side project as like an incubator. But I do think that at some point you have to make a decision, right? Like, is this thing, is it going to be our main thing? 
or is it you know or is it going to go away? I mean, eventually it'll it'll if it's not growing, it's going to be dying, right? Yeah, I mean, I do. There's a couple of guys I've been working with at the moment who two actually two different companies. They're both at similar sort of stages, but one wants to stay with the agency and wants to find someone to run the SaaS business, basically. So he's like, you know, I, I'm my heart's with the agency, but I can see that this SaaS business has got so much potential. So he's busily trying to find someone to actually be the CEO and he wants to step away and, and, and let that run. And then the other guy's kind of doing the opposite thing. He's found a CEO to run his agency and he's going to go with a new SaaS business. So I think they're both kind of doing, you know, they're doing a sensible thing, but it is that, I mean, you, obviously there are, CEOs who can do more than be CEO of more than one uh, company, but I, I just think it's, and we all know what it's like running an agency. As I said it earlier, as soon as the as the as soon as the biggest client starts screaming, you drop everything, you know, and then yeah. you, you never, you know, it's it, it's a real problem. It take, it does take that absolute focus, you know, time, money, blood, sweat, tears, you know, lack of sleep, all the sort of things that go into it that make it a success. And I think. It is quite hard. If you, I mean, having said that, there is absolutely nothing wrong with having. If you're happy with uh, having twenty thousand, thirty thousand dollars a month, and and it's great, and you can set to your existing clients, then why not? That's a great. I think that's an absolutely great way to um, to you know ride out some of the the peaks and troughs uh, of 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 what happens in an agency. But I'm always at the back of my mind thinking, yes, but you know that Twitter tool that we had. <laughs> you know, what, how much money did we leave? How much money could we have made from that if we'd really, if we really gone for it? But yeah, it's. Uh, I think there's definitely different ways to, to to kind of skin a cat in that in that sense. I, I think we're all watching the maybe arguably one of the smartest and most brilliant entrepreneurs of our time. You know, be CEO of multiple companies yeah. at the same <laughs> time in public, right? And 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 seeing what. Is going on with with Twitter, seeing what's going on with uh, you know Tesla and their you know at least their mm. share price, right? Like you know, yeah. dis- distractions, uh, uh, a costly thing. Uh, and I think there's always a cost to it, right? Like maybe mm. the cost was that your agency could have been bigger, right? Maybe the cost was that that Twitter app could have been Hootsuite, right? I mean, you know, there's always a cost to that. Um, yeah. Those decisions, um, there, there's there's certainly an upside too. So so what's like. Was there a, a a time or a moment if you were to tell uh, an agency owner today, right? Like I, I like the idea of being able to like use an agency to cash flow an app or even vice versa, right? But like, mm-hmm. is there a moment where they should be thinking like, okay, this is the decision point, right? This is the moment where maybe we do take this full time. Is it is it pre-revenue? Is it post-revenue with the app? Um, any advice or insights for our listeners? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think... With us, we we bootstrapped it for a little while. We we kind of got it to, I suppose, an MVP. We started, and this is and again, this is because of mistakes that we made before, where we we went spent a year building something that when we launched it, never bothered showing it to a client, and when we launched it, it just nobody wanted it. So I think because we've made so many mistakes, actually, by the time we got to Screen Cloud, we probably we were we were so war. Scarred, scarred, battle scarred that we we managed to avoid the big ones there. But yeah, I think what happened is what we did was we we got it to a certain stage, whereas we had it in MVP, we showed it to people, uh, um, and we got a really good reaction. Like instead, of, it wasn't the reaction that was kind of like yeah, good. It was like oh my god, when this is ready, we definitely want it. And so those types of insights, I think, made us gave us a bit more confidence. 
And then what we decided, as, as, as the three of us, is that we were going to commit some money to it. But we also decided that we were going to go and raise external funding as well. So that was those two kind of things that we said that we would do. And really, it was just a plan. It was, a, it was about having a plan. It wasn't going to happen overnight. It wasn't like we were going to be able to say, right, you know, here's half a million dollars. Let's go and blow this thing up. It was like, okay, well, this is what we're prepared to spend. But at the same time, my job was to go and sell the agency. Mark's job was to go and raise money for the new um, SaaS business. So we just had this plan and, and, you know, it was a sort of six to nine month plan to get that that progress. But so I, we raised money pre-revenue just, um, and then we promptly ran out of money and then we had to pump more of our own cash back into it again. And then by the time we did our next round, I think we we were pretty we were pretty established at that point. We were probably doing twenty thirty thousand dollars a month. So we we were pretty confident that where this was going, and it was growing fast at that point. But it took us I think it took us twenty two months to get to a million dollars, and then six six months after that to get to two million dollars. So it was kind of like you could see how things were starting to really ramp up once we got to that kind of number. But I mean, yeah, in terms of like, is there a particular Point. I mean, I think it's, it's definitely, I mean, I've, I've written this kind of program all about getting the founders on the same page, because I think if you don't get those things agreed, like, you know, what, what my, my kind of appetite for spending our own money was, was less than my partners. They were already, they're all for like, let's just kill the agency <laughs> and put all of our cash into this. And I was like, oh no, I don't think I'm quite up for that. Let's just kind of, let's just see if we can find a soft landing for the agency and, you know. Um, but also what your roles and responsibilities are going to be during that transition, because it's a really, it's really tough. And then finally, you know, what are you going to do once you get to the new company? Who's going to do what and that kind of thing? Um, and what's every, yeah, what does everyone feel about investment? What, is, what do people feel about having an investor on your cap, on your board? Because if you've started your agency and you haven't, you haven't had any other external people on the board, it's, that's a bit of a shock as well when someone comes along and you can't just do what you want because you know, there's an investor telling you you can't. That's that's a bit of a shock as well. So I think making sure that you you've asked yourself all those difficult questions if you're going to go down that route um, is super super important because the last thing you want to do is be up against you know talking to an investor and suddenly it's clear that the founders aren't aligned because that's going to be a massive red flag. What are the what are the three kind of core seats you guys ended up dividing your roles and responsibilities around? So we had so. Yeah, I mean, it was really, this was a pro, we didn't properly talk about this uh, and it did come back to bite us. So there were the three of us in the agency. I was in, in the agency, it was pretty easy. I was kind of did all the new business. Uh, Mark did sort of a kind of uh, production and then Luke was the kind of CTO, I guess. So, but when we were doing the transition, I said, right, I'm going to sell the agency. And Mark said, I'm going to kind of run the, the new business. Um, so he kind of, fell into the role of CEO. Luke fell into the role of CTO. And that left me a little bit like a, in England, we say minister without portfolio. So it was kind of like, I didn't really, so I, I kind of, I just said, well, I'll be the COO then kind of thing. Because in the agency, it was fine. We were just all partners. We didn't really care about it. But investors suddenly wanted us to have these proper roles. So, I mean, it was fine. We were still doing a similar kind of thing. Um, I was generally the commercial one. Mark was kind of, you know, making things happen and Luke was doing all the technology. But yeah, ultimately, yeah, it was like, it was CEO, CTO, COO uh, was how we kind of fell. But I wish we'd had that conversation before, 
you know, we'd actually kind of, we probably didn't have that conversation properly till we were like a year into it. And then it was like, oh, hang on a minute. But uh, yeah. Hey, what's up, agency owners? I want to tell you about one of my favorite white label partners, E2M. They can help with all your website design, web development, SEO, and content needs for your client projects. This includes WordPress, WooCommerce, Shopify, BigCommerce, Webflow, Duda, SiteGlide, custom PHP applications, and much more. Have peace of mind when it comes to your outsourcing needs. Let E2M become an extension of your team so you can grow and scale how you want. Check them out today at e2msolutions.com. That's E, the number two, M, solutions.com. All right, back to our show. Well, I appreciate the uh, candor, David. It sounds like you yeah. guys, like most entrepreneurs, are figuring out a lot more you know, uh, you know, know, behind the scenes than probably the outside, right? If you go to the SaaS product website or whatever, I mean, every, everybody kind of has this buttoned up external look. And so it's cool to get a little peek behind the curtain. Yeah. And uh, see honestly, how you guys the, are, are running that. I'd say pretty much every mistake we could have made, we've probably made it in some way. Yeah. Not validating the products, getting bad investment advice early on, not with sat, with Screen Cloud, but with other businesses. Yeah. It's, but again, I think you kind of need to go through those or at least work with someone who's gone through those things before to kind of to get on the, to the other side. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, I suppose. Love it, David. You got time to stick around for a quick lightning round? I absolutely do. Yep. Sure. What is the best advice you've ever received? So, yeah, my, I think this is from our investor, actually, Point Nine, who are absolutely brilliant. Um, and actually, I was listening to a, a podcast, this uh, podcast a couple of episodes ago, and someone said the best advice they had was trust your gut. And actually, uh, the advice I would almost say was the opposite of that. Don't trust your gut, or at least don't rely on your gut, because especially when it comes to products, um, you're you know, we all have a kind of sense, a gut feel of what a, a company, a, a, a customer wants. But actually, what what our investor said is like you you really really have to speak to clients. And that's not just getting on the phone or whatever. I mean, I spent time in California in sitting in truck depots because or depots because we were trying to sell to logistics companies, and I wanted to see what the people in front of these screens were actually doing and what they were talking about and how they how they were reacting to stuff that was on those screens. And it, I think it's super, super important. Like, um, I think that gut feel is great for kind of prompting creative ideas, but it's not something that can be relied on to kind of say, okay, my gut tells me that customers will love this. Actually, in many cases, that, that's not the case. And I think it's, there's real insights you get when you actually sit down and, and immerse yourself in those kind of conversations. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Uh, well, <laughs> I think that would probably be my paranoia because I was more paranoid than my partners. I was like, I'm so worried that we're going to run out of money or whatever. So I was always in the numbers and I've always been quite a data numbers driven person. I think actually some of the best insights I think have come out of, of that kind of paranoia just um, and just really looking at the numbers and going, you know, if I change this, what happens here? And there was, I made some small changes to some pricing um, and in the space of about six months, added half a million dollars to our annual recurring revenue. Just almost barely noticeable, but it's something that I, I've picked up in the data. So I think, yeah, that kind of paranoia of, oh God, if I'm going to miss something, I think is actually something that's kind of helped me become more successful, at least at sort of finding some of those insights. Can you share an internet resource, a tool or app that you think our listeners would find valuable? Yeah, well, the one I'm using at the moment is is Notion, and I, I'm guessing it's a fairly popular one. But if people haven't heard of it, yeah, it's super super powerful. It's um, I, you know, you can use it for business planning, 
resource planning, networking, to-do lists, um, meeting notes, agendas, and things. And I think I'm just scratching the surface, but it's it looks really nice as well, and it does integration. So, yeah, definitely, if you haven't seen it, check out Notion. It's it's uh, really valuable, really useful. In what book would you recommend, and why? The the book I would recommend is. Absolutely the mom test by a guy called Rob Fitzpatrick, which I, I wish I'd written a book like that. And it's it's a really interesting book. And it comes back to what I was saying earlier. It's about what questions to ask potential customers to see if they generally need your product. <clears throat> Is it something that um you think they need or or do they actually need it? And if you don't ask questions in the right way, you'll you'll get kind of misled. Um and you'll be you'll you'll think that someone really likes it, but they're just trying to not hurt your feelings. But it's a really, really good book. Uh, fully recommend that one. And what was the title again? It's called The Mom Test. M-O-M Test. The Mom Test. Got it. Yeah. The Mom Test. All right. We will link out to The Mom Test by Robert Fitzpatrick at our show notes page at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. If you're listening this week up, you'll see a picture of David up there. Click on him. You'll get links out to Notion. If you haven't taken a look at that, definitely recommend Notion. Very, very cool tools. Lots of our members are using that on a regular basis to like document their agency and their plans and all that good stuff. So definitely want to recommend that out to our folks. Um, and lots of other tips, takeaways, quotables from David today. Uh, David, how can our folks learn more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, just go to my website, davidhart.io. There's a few kind of resources on there. Yeah, that's probably the best place to start. I mean, I'm on social media and LinkedIn as well, but davidhart.io is probably the best place to find out more. Very cool. We will add that link to our show notes page as well. So go to yougurus.com slash podcast and get lots of those tips, takeaways, links out to David's website, all that good stuff. So check them out. Uh, thanks again for stopping by the program today, David. No, been a pleasure. Thank you. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agencies so you can achieve freedom in business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, if you want this free gift all about how to scale to six and seven figures and beyond in your agency, just text the word FREEDOM to 720-792-8036. That's the word freedom to 720-792-8036. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.